Guys, we've talked on the podcast before about the idea of having call-up music uh, in, yeah. a, in a crit, you know, when they're calling up the, you know, I said top five writers, each one of them maybe gets a gets a special call-up song for, mm. you know, the 20 seconds or so that their name's being called up. Uh, and we, uh, we've, we've bounced around the ideas of, you know, some, what, what Thomas Gibbons, for instance, might have as his call-up music. We picked right. the Pointer Sisters, Automatic, for yes. Automatic Racing. I thought, um, you know, I've been thinking, giving that a little bit of thought, and I kind of thought I was going to maybe give you guys a little bit of a quiz about uh, what pro tour riders mm. uh, might have as their call-up songs. All right. Uh, the first, the first question. Uh, this is actually not a song, but more of a band. Uh, maybe it's uh, going to be a little bit obvious when I ask you. But uh, what band would Pro Tour writer Rigoberto Uran have? Oh, that would be the Rolling Stones. Uh, no, Bodie, 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 Bodie. Duran Duran. Duran oh, Duran, of course. Of course. I like Dur- where you're going with that, though, Matt, because yeah. we have said that he looks a bit like Mick Jagger. But no, Rigoberto Duran Uran. Mm. Yeah. Right. So this is actually going to be a Duran Duran themed call up music quiz. Oh. Okay. Guess I'm out of this one. Mm. So I'm going to give you the name of a Duran Duran song and a couple hints, and I want you guys to tell me who the Pro Tour writer is that would have this as their call up song. So mm-hmm. backwards of what you just did. Basically backwards okay. of what okay. I just did. Ooh, confusing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Duran Duran song, popular Duran Duran song, kind of a B cut though, but still a popular song from the uh, Rio album, New Religion, uh, would be a fantastic call up song for which Russian pro cyclist who is one of the few Muslim riders in the pro peloton? Russian Muslim. Russian pro cyclist for Katusha. Oh gosh. Kuznetsov. Give you a hint. Uh, last name sounds a bit like an artificial sweetener. Uh, um, uh, no. no. Uh, Sweeten low? St- stumping everybody here. Oh, Ilner Zakharin. Uh, okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I did not know he was Muslim. Uh, yeah. did, I did a little bit of research for this segment. Okay. Interesting. All right. Uh, this this, is, uh, tough. this the, is a tough quiz. Yeah. The... Uh, the uh, other, uh, another song from uh, the famous Rio record, mm, great "Hungry album. Like the Wolf." Oh, that would be the Wolf Pack. That would be the Quick, quick Step. Would be a fantastic call-up <laughs> song for what pro tour rider who might be the hottest rider on the Bodie Bodie. Bodie Bodie. Juan Allen Phillip. That's right, Juan Allen Phillip, Damn. also known as Julian Alaphilippe. "Hungry remember. Like the Wolf." Gotten off to quite a start. You need to say your name first. I thought it was the team. I was going for the team. The 1990s Duran Duran hit song Notorious would be a fantastic call-up song for what famous American cyclist who's famous for many of the right and wrong reasons. Matt. Matt? Lance Armstrong. That's right. Good one. I wish you could play some of the song before this. No, no. Notorious. We'll put that in in the editing. that's... B.I.G. No, that's the Notorious B.I.G., but the Duran Duran song is called Notorious. Matt just sung you a few yeah. bars of that. Yeah, that's a rap song. I know that from the 90s, yeah. Okay. Late 90s. Uh, got a couple more here, guys. I think mm. you'll like this one. Um, again, we're, we're going back to Rio here for this one. The Chauffeur. Mm. Chauffeur. That is, one who drives someone else. Would be mm. a fantastic call-up song for what famous lead-out man for Mark Cavendish? Oh, Matt. Matt? That would be Mark Renshaw. That's right. 
Mark Renshaw, famous for driving Mark Cavendish to the line. I like the it. chauffeur. You like mm. that one? And finally, guys, uh, this is not so much a pro tour rider as kind of an entity. The Duran Duran song, again from the 90s, Is There Something I Should Know, would be a fantastic call up song for what pro cycling body who's interested in knowing what's going on inside of World Tour riders? Bodhi, Bodhi. Um, it's not USADA, but it's uh, what's the. WADA! That's right. Bodie Bodie gets the final clue. WADA, is there something I should know? All right, you guys ready to start a podcast? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Well, good evening, and welcome to episode 78 of the Yeah You Ride podcast. This is the Bodie Bodie. Hey there, Bodie. This is the T-Bone. And this is Suchirio. We are smack dab in the thick of the best time of the year, and that is the spring classic season. We missed last week, so we're, we're a bit behind, but we're going to kind of cruise through some of the awesome moments of these last few weeks. Um, guys, I got to say that it's just been... This is... This bike racing that's happening right now is phenomenal. It's exciting. Um, I'm in love with bike racing. I'm enjoying watching these races. I love this kind of racing. Um, I don't know. I mean, how are you guys feeling about this season right now? I will say this. I'm feeling great about this season. It's been super exciting, super competitive, wide open. Um, I just, it's been, it's been so fun to follow. But as a broader point, I would say that I've always loved one-day racing, um, but coming to the sport as someone who was exposed to the Grand Tours first and sort of seeing that model of bike racing, it took me a while to come to really appreciate how beautiful one-day racing is. Um, and but, but now that I've spent about 10 years really kind of cultivating the love for these one-day races, I am 100% all in on the spring, almost to the extent that I'm feeling like Grand Tour racing. Maybe I'll feel differently in spring, late spring, summer comes around, but I'm all, all kind of already feeling like Grand Tour racing is kind of kind of over it, just all in on the one-day classics. I, the thing is, though, I think we've had this conversation before, yeah. and then we're like, yeah. oh, I don't really care about Grand Tours. They just go on forever, and they're not interesting. And then the Giro rolls around, you're like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. It, 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 I True. guess when it's happening, it's we, riveting. We, so. are, we are passionate, and we love it all at all times. Um, interesting, though, you talk about Grand Tours, and sometimes they have been in the past, especially Tour of France, a bit formulaic, and we kind of know who's going to win. Sky is winning all the Tour de, Tours de France's. We're seeing something similar, yet it's still exciting in the Spring Classics with DQS and their domination. And we'll just start off with Milan San Remo. Um, as I said earlier, Juan Allen Phillip taking the win there um, in swashbuckling fashion. Yeah. And, and, you know, the crazy thing about that was is like going into the race, basically everybody not everybody, but I mean, he was the odds on favorite, yeah. the name on everybody's lips as the guy who was super hot, destined to take that race, destined for the race win. And man, he delivered. He did. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, this is not an original take, but I'm going to just say it because, like, you turn, you fly. We went on the club ride that Saturday. I came home early, flipped on the live stream, and it was still like a billion K to go. Mm. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So two hours later, the action starts. I understand it's a monument. They need to, you know, ride from Milan to San Remo. Why don't they just do like laps from like the Poggio to the Suppressa like five or ten times? Like, yeah, just like, sort of round and round San Remo instead yeah. of Milan San Remo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You I know. mean that would that's that's when it gets exciting. Like, let's let's uh all around the Remo, all around the Remo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's I mean like musically, it's almost like listening to I don't know something like Brian Eno's music for airports for about four and a half hours, right? And then listening to you know Puccini. For the for the last for the you know it's like that builds up into this incredible aria when they hit the Poggio and then it's just everything for for what a ten minutes at the most I don't know ten minutes or something it's crazy yeah it's just the most exciting thing you can possibly watch and it's basically it's basically a climb and a descent then another climb and another descent and then the ramp up into the sprint and that's it oh yeah. I just realized that. The finish of Milan San Remo is very similar to our club ride finish. <laughs> you climb up one bridge. Oh yeah. You have the, the first... flat straight to the second bridge, and then there is from there to Press Street, which is the finish. Yeah. So it's like the double climb KOM. Yeah. And then the mm-hmm. Hain Street Sprint. Yeah. yeah. So so we should. Uh, well, I, sh- I mean, it's the you're, you're talking about on the way back. I'm really? talking about the way yeah, back yeah. to press. Yeah, I'm the, talking about the way back. The STC return is a Strava segment. It's to scale. Okay, it's a perfectly to scale version gotcha. of Milan San Remo. Yeah, yeah. I now pff, wow, that makes the ride, uh, the end of the club ride, much better. Like, who's going to win this Saturday's Milan San Harbor? See, because I've always been famous in the past for attacking on the Cipressa, Alan yep. Nibali. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then basically running out of steam by the time we get to the Poggio. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, cool. Well, instead of segueing from Milan San Remo into our club ride, let's segue from Milan San Remo into the action uh, in Milan San Remo real quick. <laughs> uh, you're right, Bodie. The race heated up when they got to the Cipressa. And uh, I'm going to let you guys take it from there. I, I All I remember from that is the descent off the Chipressa. Uh, and um, who was it that, that just went nuts off the descent? Giacomo Nizzolo? No. It was uh, Nicola Bonifacio. Uh, wow. Yeah. Who is Giacomo Nizzolo? He's, an, he's a sprinter, but a oh. different Italian sprinter. <laughs> Wow. I, if you'll see, I actually corrected it in the show notes uh, uh, after there. Oh, you well, you didn't correct. You actually wrote it after. So if I'm reading the show notes, it I still says. I just wanted you to reveal your error. Yep. Yeah, you know, I Matt, you can you. actually highlight, hit, delete, and then it will delete all, all no, those words, I, and then I you can it, replace other words in there. I like it this way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, it didn't work, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so but look, we still got a minute and a half to talk about Milan San Remo. Yes. So let's go for it. So that descent was that descent was insane, wasn't it? I've, uh, I mean, he was railing those turns. He almost ran into the back of the moto. Yeah. Uh, and uh, of course, it all came to nothing, as it obviously would do, because there's no way he can make it across that gap and then go up the uh, the Poggio. Uh, the climb of the Poggio was super fast this year. It was really fast pace and quick step. De Kernick quick quick step had f- what four men up there. They were just totally in control. Uh, 
really, really perfectly positioned the, the entire time. Our man, uh, Wout Van Aert, also managed yeah. to stay with the move and make the selection up to Paggio. Yep. Um, pretty impressive for a guy who's, uh, well, basically, he's just all of a sudden an all-around badass, uh, but pretty impressive for a guy in his first season as a uh, We knew that rider. Wout was a badass. Yeah. yeah, we did. So, like... He's podium twice now at uh, Strada Bianchi, and so... We, yeah, we need to put to bed the whole thing. Well, but can these cyclocross guys uh, last for five plus hours? Well, let's just say, though, that, that you know, in Milan San Remo, it's not like there's a big selection going into those those final climbs. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you got to be a little wily to be to be in that, in the mix going up the Poggio. You don't, it's more than just being a strong cyclist. Well, it is about positioning. It's yeah. a narrow road. Uh, some people got caught out. Greg Van Avermaet was too, too far back, and yep. you'd think he'd know better. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, he looked great. Uh, as yeah. predicted though, Alaphilippe, uh, in the front group manages to stay ahead. Wasn't a, it, that, 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 you know, that, that finish in, in, in San Remo must be a bit of an uphill. It's not a, it's not a super uphill drag, no, but it's, it's not a, flat. it's not a super, high, well, the, it's flat on the, on the run into it, but I must tip up a little bit right at the end. Cause I'll tell you what, or either that or everybody's just super tired yeah. or a combination of both. Um, it was, it, it, it's not a true sprinter sprint at the end of that race, even though true sprinters often win the race, if they can, they can make it over the Poggio, uh, uh together. But, uh, Alaphilippe, uh, came around some pretty strong sprinters and um, yeah. got the win. Well, we saw we saw him at Torino that he beat a lot of big sprinters in the in the final sprint, like the likes of Gaviria and such. And so he's uh, he can sprint. And the the other thing is, can you sprint after over five and a half hours? You know, that's another thing. It's all about saving as doing as little as possible until you get to the Poggio, right? And so you've got, that's uh, people sit in the wind, and maybe that's Sagan's problem with Milan San Remo. So Peter Sagan, we hadn't seen all spring, and uh, he got fourth. Kind of looked like he, as the commentators, everybody says he screwed up the sprint, um, looking in the wrong direction. You know, interesting to see how his, it, does he have the form and how that will play out in the other races. Um, let's move on. Yeah, well, I was going to say, speaking of uh, sitting out of the wind and saving yourself, perfect segue into uh, E3, whereas Denik Stebar did exactly that mm. for most of the race uh, and ended up being the deciding factor at the end of it was his was his freshness. He came away with the win. Uh, Wout, another podium for him. Wout, and, second place. I mean, the highest race, uh, I mean, that's his highest classic finish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outsprinting GVA. I mean, that was a, I got to watch that race. It was Friday. Um, I had a cancellation in my job schedule, so I got to watch classics racing and it was pretty awesome. What happened was there was a break. The break got brought to 30 seconds. Bob jungles bridges across to the break. Yeah. I don't know how they let Bob go, but Bob goes, I guess when Bob wants to go, Bob goes bridges to the break. He increases the gap to like a minute. Mm-hmm. And then and then Stybar and crew can just sit on as, as well. That's the secret, isn't it? That's right? the I mean, trick. They've got not even a secret. It's, it's like a you know, it's one of the number one rules of bike racing, and, and, yeah. and it's amazing how they can pull it off. Well, you remember a few years back. I mean, as dominant as a team as Quick Step has been, they used to you know Quick Step. We were joking they would Quick Step races and end up losing them because they weren't they weren't 
playing them right, right, yeah. for a, a, a few years ago. No longer, right? I mean, Quick Step put on a clinic in that race, a team clinic in yeah. that race. I mean, that was a perfectly executed team win in a one-day classics race. Yeah, I mean, they are classic specialists, aren't they? They, they have so many cards to play in those races. The fact that they've been throwing Youngles in now into the Cobble Classics as well as doing the Arden Classics. I mean, that guy is... Yeah, I mean, we spoke about this before, like last episode about, you know, what kind of rider is Bob Jungles? I mean, just the fact... He... We've him. He's an all-rounder. I mean, just amazing. And you pointed this out, uh, Matt, but I just saw there was a new restaurant that popped up, uh, the Jungle Man Bistro, and I got us a table for three there. Oh, yeah. So uh, where dinner is served on Bob Jungle's back as he rides a bike. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he puts out 400 watts. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's and it's uh, the you know the tablecloth doesn't move at all. Uh, yeah. You could put all no, the fine china he, on top of it. He's actually like grinding your smoothie away with his uh, pedaling. <laughs> <laughs> and illuminating the table with the wattage that there he's putting out. There you go. That, that would yeah. have been a better joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so that Friday, uh, E3... Stebar gets the win. Um, you know what's interesting is that Quickstep makes it happen kind of like whoever they have, right? They they let go of Nikki Terpster last year, but mm. not not really a bad move on their end. I mean, we really haven't seen Nikki at all this year. Well, he's been up there. I mean, as we'll as we'll talk about a little bit. Yeah, but. he was in the mix for a minute and and get Wevelgum the next race. Nee, we're going to talk about, but it, it didn't it didn't show up at the end. Yeah, he's not on any podiums. Yeah, no. Um, so let's go on to Ghent. Wevelgem or Bent Bubblegum, uh, Sunday's classic, mm-hmm. which is known to be a, you know, finger quote, uh, sprinter's classic, but... Which, you know, when you look at the people it, who've won it yeah. in the last 10 years, most of them are not really pure sprinters. I mean, so I, you know, when we'll get into this a little bit later, fantasy classic season's happening right now. We're playing a little fantasy and I, you know, you could, I was switching my team up for Ghent. I'm like, do I put in some sprinters? And I think I actually did, unfortunately, and I missed out on a few good riders because, um, although it did come down to a sprint and it was won by a pretty much a sprinter oh, leans yeah. more towards sprinter than certainly well at, at one point in time Christoph was a pure sprinter i would say uh, it, uh, i mean more of a pure sprinter he's now kind right. of more of a you know kind of a b plus roller type sprinter <laughs> oh wow well wow. no, 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 what mean, i'm saying is he's just, not do you want to say that to his face have you seen that photo of him coming across the finish line he's <laughs> gotten bigger okay i'm not suggesting that i beat <laughs> Alexander Kristoff in a sprint, but I'm saying as compared to someone like a Caleb Ewan or a Dylan Gronavagan, someone who's just an absolute pure Pure. bury your nose and and sprint sprinter. He's he's a hard man. He's a hard man. That's right. You know, and he's won. He's won Flanders. And and Degen Kolb is who finished second in in Gent Wavelgum. I think is cut from that same cloth. Yeah, Uh, guy who's won Perry Roubaix in the past. A a considerably smaller piece of the same cloth. Yeah. Boy, Christoph looks huge right now. So, where did I hear this piece of information? That was it, you, Matt. You were saying, or did it was this on the Twitter that Katusha had wanted him to lose weight, and that's why maybe his form has it. We haven't seen him win as much, mm. and now that he's on UAE, he's kind of back to where like he was that year. Was it 2015 or whatever, where he just like won a slew of races in the spring? That's yeah, right. um, and he's kind of been hit or miss the last few years. Um, but let's finish with that podium. We had Christoph, Dege, and then Nason. It did finish yeah. in a sprint. It was a reduced reduced bunch sprint, but when I flipped on the live stream at 90K, you had a break 
up the road with a minute that was filled with hitters. Yeah. I mean, it was 90K to go, and you had Sagan, you had Wout, you had Vanderpool. I mean, you had you just had everybody. Was Greg in that? No, Greg Van Evermeer was not in that race. No, he was not. CCC missed the whole thing. But, I mean, that's some amazing racing. Like, yeah. You see that, and you think, okay, so is that the break? That's, is that going to be the break that wins the race at 90K? Like, Yeah. It looked like it would be. You were like, is this going to stay away? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, look who's in there. Yeah, who's but, in the break? I mean, right, but I mean, remarkably, not only did that break not stay away, but about six other things happened, you know, after that break got caught that, you know, you thought might be the winning. Yes, yeah, Sagan the, the got next winning break. in another break with yeah. Trenton and I forget who else. And then you had Luke Rowe who put in a monster uh, light bulb burner to bridge from the Peloton to them. Yeah. I mean, it was... And then there was another break after that when they got caught. I mean, it was just... It was amazing. It was it was an awesome race to watch. And and then it all came back together for a, obviously a massively reduced Peloton that would have been... Must have been exhausted. And you had sprinters in there. You had you had Viviani. Yeah. You had Gaviria. Yep. Uh, and apparently, Chris, you know, Gaviria told Kristoff that he's like, "Yeah, you should. I don't. I, I don't have the legs. You should do it." Yeah. I mean, but Gaviria held on and like made it to the end. Yeah. And then I saw on Twitter, uh, Robbie McEwen was posting a little bit about how Gaviria pushes Viviani off of Kristoff's wheel mm. and then sits up. Yeah, I saw that. Little, yeah. little, little defense there. Quick yeah. shout out also to uh, Jack Bauer from Mitchelton Scott and right. Jasper Stoyven from uh, from Trek Segafredo, mm-hmm. who were in what looked like for a minute it was going to be the winning move with less than two k to go. Yeah, uh, and and they got caught what within within five hundred and four hundred meters of the line. And, uh, yeah, and then then bef- it was was it a little bit before that or after before that where. Um, Luke Rowe attacked again yeah. out of out of the front, which was like, how has he got anything left whatsoever after the, the Herculean effort he made? Yeah, I guess that he... seven and a half kilometer effort that he made to bridge across. So speaking of Herculean efforts, uh, we saw Alexander Kristoff uh, publish his uh, data from mm. that ride. What was it, Bodie? 375 watts for five hours? 345 for five hours and 20-odd minutes. Yeah. Pretty Which, pretty decent five-and-a-half-hour effort, I'd yeah, say. It's not bad. I yeah. mean, tempo, it's, right? I, that's better than my best one-minute effort. Five-and-a-half hours of, of, um, of sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw not- Dege did 3.30 as well you know it's uh it's really astonishing yeah they're those guys are freaking strong i mean i was more amazed by seven thousand calories and what he burned in a, in a five hour race it's like yeah that's three days worth of food uh in a fifth of a day you know i don't know so remember like there was the moment just to go back one moment uh, not to dwell on it too much but um because it was a, a superb achievement by him because he went out of the bunch before the Kemmelberg and attacked alone, he rode alone up the Kemmelberg. Talking about Kristoff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He up the Kemmelberg. Right. And did you, I don't know if you guys heard the uh, the, the pre-podium banter between him and Degenkolb and, and Nassen. Uh-uh. He was joking with them. He was like, yeah, people were shouting at me that I was too fat. Oh, <laughs> wow. Dang, people. And also he was, and he, he also said to Oliver Nassen, he was like, uh, so you're a sprinter now. <laughs> Um, anyway, that was an awesome race. 
they also had like six other races at Gent Gent Wellgolem. They yeah. had they had U twenty three. Well, sorry, they had the women's. I think it's a women's world tour race. They did. Yes. Uh, so that was actually on first. We I was watching was. flow bikes, and so yep. you turned it on and, and had the women's race. Uh, Kristen Wield or Wild. Kristen, Kristen Wield. Wield. Yeah. Kristen Wield won. Uh, Lorena Weebes. Weebs. Yeah, she's a um, she's going to be a, a name to watch in the future. She's yeah. on the same team as uh, Sophie Debur. Okay, yeah. so she actually won the U twenty three women's as well, and then Leticia Paternoster, um, uh, Trek Segafredo rider, Canyon Sram. No, yes, no. sorry, Trek Segafredo. You're right. Who came in third? Yep. Uh, I wanted to give a shout out or just some some notables. Megan Jastrab, who we talked about on this on this podcast, uh, she got second in the women's junior race. Uh, talking about cyclocross racers in spring classics, Katie, Katie Klaus, fifth in the juniors race. Uh, Quinn Simmons, who you guys talked about uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, the at, son of my... Uh, oh, it's, I'm sorry, Quinn Simmons, right, right. The guy who won the last stage of Redlands. Yeah. Mm. Um, he won the junior race. Yeah, ahead of three British riders. Um, Lewis Askey was one of them. Ben Tullett. Ben Tullett. Was junior world cha- who is jun- who is, yeah, junior world champion. Uh, it came in fourth. Uh, I forgot who the third place British rider was in that. There was another British CXer who raced, Tom Pitcock. Did he? He did. He raced in the U23s. Got like 35th. Um, huh. Maybe he's, you know, taking a break, but hmm. just scrolled through the results and, and See, there he that was. That seems a little low for him. Yeah. Uh, there were two other British uh, women, won the women's U17 at, uh, juniors and U19 juniors, and they are sisters, and they are both the daughters of Big Maggie. That's right. Magnus Backstead, former Paris-Roubaix winner. Also, that's he's the guy with the highest ever... FTP, FTP ever recorded <laughs> at 500 500 and something insane yeah 520 something or whatever oh my god yeah okay well uh yeah so we've got so coming up this wednesday is dwarves 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 van vlanderen dwarves door van yeah um dwarves what does the dwarves Dwar- mean because i don't know because you've got ron the vlanderen which is Rondo's, a tour, Rondo's tour. like a circuit yeah, yeah. tour of flanders that's yeah. on that's on sunday yeah. I mean, one of the monuments coming up. Uh, but so Eve Lampart has won, I believe, Dwarves twice in a row now, right? Uh, maybe. It's kind of right. his race. So mm-hmm. if you're playing a little fantasy, a little tip there. Okay. No, yeah. It'll be interesting comes. to see who shows up for that race or who's going to save themselves for Sunday. Uh, yeah, we'll have to look closely at that uh, coming up the night before. Yeah, see, it kind of sounds like up. a lot of the riders said that this was kind of a, like a Ghent was tough like it was a really brutal race fastest like, gent game ever so there you go yeah so maybe they'll be saving the legs for flanders um they gent goes over a lot of the same climbs right they, a lot of these, they, or e3 does as well i mean they're all using e3 is more of a mini flanders than gent game is uh gent game's big climb is the is the camelberg that's the big kind of pivotal climb in there it doesn't have as many uh cobbled climbs as the others whereas e3 has a bunch of the ones that are in Flanders, but um, not quite the not quite the same. So yeah, I mean, it's all spaghetti around there. It's it's a tiny country, and Flanders and Flanders is a small part of a of a small country. It's amazing how many races they can have. Yeah. I, I'm I'm slowly learning them. I'm I'm a few years out from like finally mastering all these races, um, but I'm excited for Wednesday and I'm excited for Sunday. 
Um, another, just another moment. We didn't mention who came fourth in Ghent Verbal Game. Who was that? Matthew Vanderpool. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's his first, um, that's his, I think that's his highest ever finish in a world tour. That might be his, is that his first world tour race? That might, I think that was his first world tour race and he finished fourth. And he's, he's right up in the mix, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, there's like, he was all over it. Well, he is riding in the Dutch champions jersey, so I guess he's demonstrated <laughs> yeah. in the past that he does know how to race and win in, on a road bike. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. We, you know. we, we know that, 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 that Vanderpool is going to be, I mean, maybe even better than Wout. I mean, I don't think there's a maybe about it. I mean, I'm, I, I, where did Wout come in that race? And, uh, and, and, and keep in mind that, uh, Vanderpool had to do something in Gent-Wevelgum that, uh, he's probably never had to do before. Chase? Sprint at the end of a race. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, you know, Wout had a lot of teammates actually in it at the end. I mean, very strong, strongest team in there. Really? They were throwing bows. I mean, Wout threw, you know, they were all throwing punches and I think, uh, it seemed like Popple was going to be their sprinter at the end there. Well, it seemed like they were riding for for uh, Van Poppel at you know after that everything sort of came back together and Wout had been out in the break you know all day. I mean, obviously he was their man when he was out in the break mm. and they were sort of sitting up and not chasing. But once you know once everything got brought back together, they had you know because they had not been chasing at all all day long. They had plenty of fresh people that they started putting up at the front to try to line it up and yeah i think you're right Bodie. they were riding for van poppel but wow was like fuck this you know i'm here i am i'm going for it yeah and and we could even hear it from uh you know they were translating from the team car great commentary by the way rob hatch and rob hales on this one really top yeah much better than the guy who did e3 who got so many names wrong and was was worse than us yeah no it was like he was commentating the golf game match. yeah this was like the the top-notch eurosport guys um very very good but what was interesting there they were in the team car and they were translating that basically like they were saying uh you know van poppel saying like no the, the team the the director sportif was like wout strong we're riding for wout that's that's uh you know that was their that was their a plan the whole day but that this could be the the tricky thing for for mvdp i think at flanders um is just he doesn't have the team you know, they're not, the team is not the same kind of level of quality. Although Gianni, Gianni Vermeer put in a massive uh, Up in the mix. amount of work and actually finished ahead of Wout in the race. One spot ahead of Wout. Yeah, well, I mean, MVDP in Flanders is going to have to hope that the, the race shakes out in a way that it, you know, that it doesn't become sort of a quote-unquote team race. I mean, right. even though cycling is always to be a team a, sport. Hopefully it's going to be a small group and it's mano a mano yeah. with the big, the big guns. Yeah. Well, uh, before we leave pro racing altogether, there has been some other racing going on. Uh, Superman Lopez won the seven-stage Volta at Catalunya. Yeah. Yep. Um, another one of these early season week-long stage races. Interestingly, this was kind of a side note, sort of a sidebar in the, um, you know, as Gent Wevelgum was, was happening, that he uh, won that race and uh, was kind of the, the, the the week-long stage race victory was the was the afterthought side note to the uh, larger event of the day, which was Ghent Wevelgum. So it was interesting the way it mm. was sort of covered by Cycling News and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, and but, on third, I know. I mean, just a couple couple of very small things about that uh, podium was. Uh, Superman won it. Uh, second place was Adam Yates. Yep. Third place was Egan Bernal. Um, 
you know pretty pretty um solid solid, solid representation right of some of the some of the hot uh, all-rounders climbers in the in the pro peloton right now look, yes, for, look for all three of those guys to be competitive in the grand tours it looked like even egan bernal had gone a little bit off the boil possibly because sky looked super strong and really pushing on the on the on the hard mountain stage uh stuff but uh both superman and adam yates really looked uh, looked very very good uh one thing, the final days, that circuit around kind of like through the park uh, area in uh, in uh, Barcelona, which is uh, kind of a cool up and down um, circuit race. In and around Montjuic, right? Is that what it is? I think it is. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, because I mean, it's, it's one, uh, David A. Formula one, so he's He he's did. He broke away um, with like 40K to go or something and, and stayed away. But there was several um, people went down, Roman Bardet. Uh, Mark Soler, who doesn't seem to be having the best of luck yeah. this season. Uh, Simon Geschke broke his collarbone, I think, as well. So, Ugh, didn't he just come back from an injury? Yeah, yeah. They got that guy's having a beard, a, bro. Dang. Oh, yeah, I know, having a terrible time. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, Bardet broke some ribs as well. So, um, I hope he can be uh, back in shape for the tour because uh, we really want to see. You got to see a uh, Frenchman up there. You mentioned Matthew Vanderpoel finishing fourth in uh, Gent Wevelgem. He actually won a one mm. uh, HC race. That GP is a, just uh, yeah, that's right, GP Denain. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was uh, that was not a World Tour race, uh, no. but it was a it was a just below a World Tour race. Yeah, and not not many World Tour teams in it. Uh, it's kind of a mini, it's kind of remodeled itself, I think, that race is a bit of a mini Roubaix. Yeah. So it's a lot of kind of like farm tracks and stuff. Uh, but he absolutely dominated that race. I mean, just... That was like two days after smashing yeah. the finish of another race. Where I'm smashing as in he he smashed himself yeah, in the, on in the, the ground. In the yeah. final, oh, in yeah, the final were... K, yeah, he went down hard. Yeah, it looked bad. He went off to the hospital. looked like uh, you yeah. know, he might be the end of his classic season, but uh, it was obviously not. Apparently it wasn't not. hurt as bad this as is, he thought. But now we, we've seen this before in yeah. cross races where yeah. he, you know, his, his ankle swells up to a softball and then he wins a cross race the next day yeah. yeah um amazing powers of recovery yeah uh, you've also got a note here matt we talked about the the women's world tour Gent wevelgum uh kirsten wield winning that yeah uh the the race prior to that in the women's world tour was the um alfredo binda race that was won mm. by marianne voss yeah and a pretty impressive sprint finish uh that 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 she put down i mean i don't know why i'm I'm sort of saying that as if she's not 100% capable of that any day of the week. <laughs> well, I think uh, what but, was impressive was that she was still there at that point because there was a lot of, you know, full-on climbers, including her own teammate, uh, Ashley Mormon passio uh, Nuadoma was there, who was the, who who won it the year before. Um, there was, you know, it was real a lot of real climbing. Type, Amanda Spratt. Who I think, it was a really good finish too. If you have a chance to yeah. watch it, it was it was just attack. Yeah, bring someone back. I mean, Voss was closing down attacks, and then Voss had a teammate, luckily towards the end, that really just yeah. went to the front and just drilled it and and provided her a little bit of rest. Uh, uh, I apologize, actually, uh, that was not the the the, the most recent uh, women's world tour race. There was the three days of depending that was in between mm. uh, Alfredo Bendo and Gimp Wevelgum, which was also won by uh, Kirsten Wield. She's won yeah. two in a row. Yeah. Uh, quick quiz question for you guys. How many days are there in the three days of Japan? Uh, buddy, be- buddy. One. 
Correct. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, one of those uh, retro retro names. Uh, but, it's sort of like the uh, what's the uh, well, you know, it's like the old six day races. They sort of still call them that, but they're not really, you know. But, yeah, but they they do them over six days. Well, I guess they do. Yeah. Well, actually, the three days of Pan. I mean, you could. You could strictly say it's a two-day race now because they have the men's race one day and the women's race on another. So it's the two days, but it's still not three. There's another one of those that has a number in the name. Uh, one of the ones that goes sort of across uh, uh, Brittany that that has uh, a, a mm. days. Oh, in the, the four jo- four days of Dunkirk. Yeah, which There's is only three days. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that right? Yeah. Anyway, so, but 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 in in that race there was a pretty interesting uh, situation, a bike throw, um, mm. one in which we ha- maybe developed a scale. Uh, I forget. Someone crashed. Their bike flew into the air and hit another rider. Yeah. And knocked hit, uh, out. Eliza Longo Borghini, right? Yeah. Was it Borghini? Okay, yeah. hit yeah. Borghini. And riding for Trek, yeah. Borghini's bike and this other rider's bike were kind of stuck together, and it took uh, Eliza a bit to break to separate the bikes. And she <laughs> threw her competitor's bike. She did a bike Fris- throw. It was a bit of a frisbee throw, yeah, wasn't well, it? She didn't throw her own bike. She threw her competitor's bike, and she threw it away from the other woman so onto the, the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fairness, <laughs> I don't think the other woman was getting up to get back on her bike anytime soon. She looked yeah. dazed and confused, and she, was last seen crawling to the side of the road. Yeah, sort of, no, well looked, away from where her bike wound up. I felt sort of sorry for her, and I hope she's okay. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, that's it's one thing to throw your own bike. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, okay, um, it's one thing to throw your own bike. Can't so. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I, you know, she apologized for it. She did after the mm-hmm. fact. Um, I think it's. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give that a thumbs down. I'm gonna say it's not cool to throw your competitor's bike. Throw your own bike if you want to. Uh, and of course, we can get into the myriad ways that that it's like super cool to throw your own bike or super shitty to throw your own bike. And you, but there, you know, there's all sorts of a scale that relates to that. But I think anytime <laughs> you're throwing someone else's bike, that's kind of a that's kind of a cheap move. I, I'm all for the bike throw, and I actually think that if someone else else's bike crashes you out, you are allowed one bike throw of theirs. All right. So if you crash on a club ride and yeah. you crash me out, you're yeah. saying that I can so, like, no, pick I your crash, bike up and throw it? And then it? my bike f- flies in the air and hits you right. and knocks you down. Yes, you can throw my bike. Yeah, but, th- but that's even worse because that's like a complete freak thing. I mean, it's one thing if you like ram into me and yeah. crash me out and then our bikes are tangled and i'm like damn you Bodie!" and i throw your bike but if it's a complete accident where like you just crashed completely on your own and then through some freak set of circumstances your bike winds up coming and and knocking me down you know that's not my fault mm-hmm. so and, and the bike is an like inanimate if you, object if you ran into him on the alpe de west bank townsend could with 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 would be purely justified in just throwing your bike off the bridge no, not into I, the water. Not if I ran it. No, I mean, come on, that's a little extreme, guys. You guys okay. are getting a little extreme. Uh, well, we have no idea where that woman's bike wound up. It went out of the picture. God knows. I mean, it could be down at the bottom of the Loch Ness. Uh, anyway, so uh, I, I got a quick takeaway, mm. hot take, if mm. you will, on the Women's World Tour. Okay. All right. Uh, and and I say this with the caveat that it's difficult to follow all of the races because we don't actually see all of these as many of these races maybe as we do of some of the right. some of the men's races but i have to say i think the women's world tour is on to something mm-hmm. and that is it's a it's a very concise schedule 
Yeah. Um, they It's easy to follow in terms of following, maybe not necessarily being able to watch all the races, but to see it's, you know, it, there's this race, this race, this race, this race. There's just a list of races. There's not all this confusing, like, you know, which teams are doing this race or this race, and they're not happening at different times. All the women's world tour teams do all of these races. They have a leader's jersey. Yeah. For the women's That's world true. tour. Uh, so we know the who Chiclamino is jersey? the, the, the Chinclamino jersey. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a it's a purple leaders jersey. Yeah, uh, and I just feel like it's they're, they're onto a model that is if they can if they can promote it if they could maybe get a bit more exposure and show more of these races yeah. uh, on TV that we could really they could really be onto something. And I think the I think men's cycling could also take something away from this and should do something a little more like this for the for the UCI men's world tour. Have a leader's jersey, mm-hmm. you know. Try to try to develop a schedule that encouraged the the big pro UCI teams to, to compete in all these races. Uh, there's well, the, twenty odd races in the women's world tour series. It's the same way. It runs from the spring through through the fall. And uh, and there's no overlap, unlike in the men's race, right? That's right. Where it's it, men's races where it's like. There are, you know, obviously there are world tour stage races going on at the same time as world tour one day races. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, that's my that's my hot take that the women's world tour is an easier it, model to follow yeah. than the men's uh, world tour. Definitely and, a more like straightforward narrative to it. Yes, yes. absolutely. Well, well, speaking of series and narratives, um, let's come on over to the stateside and talk about a big race that happened this weekend, uh, the opening race of the USA Crits. Yeah, uh, and we should have mentioned this earlier, and perhaps, Matt, you can go back and edit some of this in at the beginning of this podcast. We have a special segment, a special interview this this week mm-hmm. uh, with friend of the podcast, Thomas Gibbons, and uh, Lauren, whose last name is Dodge, me, Dodge. Lauren Dodge. Uh, his teammate and partner, um, who were in town today and yeah. came and sat down, or we went and sat down with them uh, at their at their house and at, got a nice interview with them where we talked about the first two races in the uh, in the USA Crit Series. But let's give it a give it a quick intro. Uh, yeah, we've had uh, Birmingham Hammerfest, which Matt you decided today and, and and appropriately so should just be called the Birmingham Fest. Makes um, more sense. Makes a lot more sense, yeah. guys. You know, do that next year, or Save you're missing three out. Right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and uh, but which I think was we, a preseason race. Which was a preseason race, uh, and then El Paso, which was this weekend, which was the first race of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren raced in the women's race, and Bodie, you had some thoughts about the uh, about the women's race that you that you wanted to share. We talked with Lauren a little bit about it, but didn't really get into the to the nitty gritty of sort of how the race. Uh, went down so let's talk before we go to the interview with thomas and lauren let's talk about that women's race first and then we'll introduce the uh, interview yeah well i think the one word to sum up the women's race was super mint uh they were super strong and they dominated that race they went one two and four yeah um they i mean Big field started off the big field, um, and it was flying from the gun, and you could tell that that was just going to be a long day in the saddle for some of those riders. Uh, at some point, I think eight minutes in, uh, Lily Williams uh, for Hagen's Berman Superman goes off the front, and she won. Uh, she started off things last year by winning Sunny King, and really has been a strong uh, force on the women's scene this year, this last year. Um, at some point, um, her teammate. U.S. crit champion, 
Leanne Ganser bridges up to her with another rider who got dropped, but then Emily Flynn, who yeah. won Hammerfest, bridges up to them, and so they had two in the front with Emily Flynn, and they kind of rope-a-doped her for a bit and dropped her, and uh, Leanne and Lily kind of rode away, and I think they might have said, hey, like, Lily, you've been in the break all day. Like, yeah. you take the win. Leanne got second. And then Emily stayed away for was stayed away from the pack for third, and then uh, Hoggins Berman, you know, cleaned up the uh, group sprint and took fourth. Yeah. So they had uh, three of the top four. Yeah. 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 Nice. So good good way to start off the uh, the USA Crit Series. Um, so. Was the was the announcer in the background yelling Superman Lopez? Uh, <laughs> Frankie should have been, um, but he did not. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, definitely, totally dominant there, and uh, I, I'm sure that probably, uh, you know, was a, was a bit of a, a, a rude awakening for the other teams for the future races that uh, they looked so strong and so dominant. Hey, folks, buddy, buddy, chiming in here to say, mind that gap, and this is normally where we would have thrown into our interview with Tom and Lauren of Automatic Racing, but we decided. That deserved its own show. That's episode 79. Should be in your podcast queue. So go download that one and listen to it. And now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, but speaking of getting walloped, um, we kind of we missed uh, two weekends ago. We had the uh, Boss Gravel Circuit Race over on the West Bank. Oh, when you say speaking of getting walloped, you mean me getting walloped because you certainly didn't get walloped. You well, walked away with the prize otter, brother. I walked away with the overall in the gravel series. Like I came in third in that race. I would have liked to win that race. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what uh, was important was that you outsprinted Daniel Swan for the top step on the overall. Podium, I did, and I the did. stuffed otter. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that was a really fun, uh, once again, super fun experience because I'm racing against people who are my peers and uh, same like, like, you know, speed. And it just you can we tried tactics. I got in a break with that at some point, and then I got brought back. And then I had it was three against one, and I didn't know what to do. And I had to race kind of defensively. And I wish I was stronger, and I could have raced more offensively. But I got to try things that I've never got to try before because usually. At races, I'm just like over my head trying to hang on, and I can tell you guys how much fun it is to race at that level. And feel I understand you feel competitive. Yeah, it's fun, and yeah. like that's why. I, and this is kind of always my my bigger thing. I'm always harking back to when you're racing, when you have a group of peers who actually race at your level, road racing, cross racing, gravel, mountain bike. It's it's actually really fun. Like being competitive and attacking and and trying these things is a really fun thing to do like i understand like the whole kumbaya like good vibes back slaps and hugs of just going on a hard ride together and and that sort of is a vibe that a lot of people look for but the idea of like racing against other people and attacking them and counter-attacking and trying to drop them and that's also really fun, and, yeah, well, and that's my TED talk. Thank you for coming. Yeah, no, no, look, but Bodie, <laughs> let me just let me just add a quick caveat to your TED talk there, which is that doing it in the context of a gravel race that's put on by these awesome women of you know the Boss Bike Collective, sure, or yeah. by you know Kurt out at the at the Forty Arpent Canal, you know, racing in a race put on by your friends, racing against your friends, 
you know, going at it hard, going toe to toe, trying to give it to them, trying to beat them. Um, it, it is awesome, but the main reason it's awesome is because nobody's being a dick about it. Yeah, no, true. Right? I agree. Like it's, no, you good know, vibes. It's, it's, a, it's a competitive, it's a strong vibe, but it still has that like gravel vibe of everybody's just there to have fun, right? Well, I, I, I think that vibe is not exclusive to gravel. No, I, I will always push back against that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say. I think that. I think that. You know, we've done that. Maybe at some of the crit series that we've put yeah. on mm-hmm. and, and cross and so races, on and so forth. Cross yeah. races, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, mountain bike race that I went up to in in Mount Zion for sure. So I'm, I'm. I'm just. I'm sort of saying that gravel vibe that that can sort of that can bleed out into lots of other stuff. It really does have to do with the way you approach it, the way the race is promoted. Um, you know, I mean, we got together, we met up, you know, we all rode yeah, we to the race. Rode to the race. How fun is that to yeah. ride your bike to the Fantastic. race? Fantastic. That's 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 a thing that I love to do, and that's a thing that I I I like. Part of my like you know thing of of doing Punch Train Beach Summer Series is like giving folks the opportunity to ride their bike to the race. It's such well, a cool thing. Well, and look, we're gonna have an opportunity to do that as the as the Lambra Road Season sort of kicks off in earnest here locally at the end of April at the Nola Motorsports Park. Yeah, that's Looking a rideable. To that. That's a rideable ride. Is it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right over the Huey P. Uh, right there. It's uh, huh. you know, 35, 45 minute ride. Interesting. I didn't think about riding to that one, but yeah. maybe we could. No, you can absolutely ride. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we will, or that you should, or that you're, you know, a loser if you don't. But <laughs> it's certainly possible. I'm happy to see there's a three or four race. I'm going to be in that race. Excited to race against my peers. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, smooth track uh, should be mm-hmm. should be killer. Um, yeah. uh, we, as we alluded to before, have. Uh, the Ronde Van Vlant, Ronda Van Vlanderen, Van, Ron Van La Ronda, yeah, yeah, uh, coming up this weekend, yeah. Uh, and we talked with Thomas about his pick. He was unequivocal that his pick is Oliver Nason, yeah, his friend, mm-hmm. uh, the guy he used to race with, yeah, uh, probably a pretty smart pick, yeah. Um, well, I was I was about form, to go about yeah. to go all in with Thomas on that pick when we were uh, when we were there talking to him, but. We changed the subject and we never really got around to it, except to suggest, Matt, that that you had your dream cyclocross world champions, former and current cyclocross world champions I'm, podium. I'm, I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to go in this order as well. MVDP wins, uh, Stibar second, and Wout third. Wow. That, yeah. That's a that would be killer. Steamy. That's a hot Cleveland steamer of a take. All right. Well, I if I'm picking a podium in that race. Mm. I'm going to go Wout Van Aert for the win. Mm. Oliver Nason in second. Mm-hmm. Alexander Kristoff in third. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, I'm also going to... I'm going to say Wout is going to win. I'm going to say GVA going to be in second. It's about time that he gets a podium in one of these races. Huh? Well, he's had a podium. He had a, he's had a podium. Yeah, it, you're, right, you're right. Maybe he should win. I don't know. I'm gonna just I'm gonna say win play show. Wout, GVA, Matthew Vanderpool. All right. I'm all, all right. in on that. Uh, we're gonna go for a women's winner. Sure. Is there is there a women's Flanders? Of course there is. Yes, there's a awesome. women's Flanders. That's great. I didn't know that. Yep. Uh well don't know <laughs> I don't believe that they use the entire course. Um, no, but it's still a they they use the same very same finish um, 
finish area, uh, finish section or whatever. Uh, well, okay, I can go first with that. I'm gonna pick a winner. Um, uh, actually, I'm gonna pick, a I'll pick three people. Uh, I'm gonna say Anna van der Breggen, because I think she's gonna be racing it. I'm gonna say Mariana Voss, because uh, I think she's still got it, she could do it. And third place, uh, let's see, uh, maybe I'll go with somebody from Trek Sega Fredo. Why don't we go Longo Borghini? Why not? She's got that. She's got that. She got that anger in her. She's yeah. got that bike throw vibe just yep. working for her now. And and uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Oh boy, I have no idea really on this one. Um, I really don't, honestly. Uh, I, I, but I'm gonna say, you know, look, I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna play the odds and say uh, uh, Kirsten Veeld. Um, Two in a row so mm -hmm. far for her, including Gent Wavelgum, which you know, I mean, this is a, a, it's a good call, somewhat of an indication. Um, I like Annemiek Van Vluten. Don't think she's going to be racing it. Oh, she's not. No, I don't think so. Okay, well, I'm just going to pick the winner then. I'm going to say Kristen Veeld. What about Corn Rivera? Does she win the women's? She's Super? won it before. Okay. Yep. Uh, we haven't seen much of her this year. Um, and admittedly, I, I, I don't have a good sense of all the women riders. They're all so, so strong, and they seem to be able to win almost every type of race. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to be a homer and uh, say Rivera. All right. Good deal. Okay. Well, none of those people will appear on any podiums uh, <laughs> next, <laughs> next week. You can guarantee that because of our picks. Well, uh, maybe after uh, maybe after the round, we can talk a little bit about our uh, fantasy teams as well. I think we should mm. leave it leave it at that for this week. But yeah, uh, we be are, a good be we, a good point to uh, recap where we're at. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I crushed E three, so suck it, losers. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're in a little breakaway together at the moment. Well, it's also confusing with all these different leagues. Uh, they really uh, they did screw the pooch on it this yeah. year. Yeah. But, all right. Well, Townsend, why don't you sign us off? All right, well, this is the uh, T-Bone, and uh, my FTP has increased by 15 watts this year <laughs> just by doing the club rides, uh, and God knows what's going to happen if I ever decide to get Thomas Gibbons and Automatic Endurance to coach me. Yeah, uh, it's going to hurt. That's what's going to happen. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, well, this is Sir Cheerio. Uh, I've just... Just saying, I'm so fired up for La Ronda next week and Paris-Roubaix the week after. My prediction is, and this is an early prediction, it's going to be a wet Roubaix this year, and it's going to be awesome. And this is the Buddy Buddy scene uh, saying that I'm glad to be back on the show and look forward to chatting with you all next week. Good night. America's oldest beer tastes that, old. Yeah, tastes. Yeah, it tastes <laughs> like it. Yeah, um, does taste fresh.